Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. This is our new season 2019 and our first recording after this winter break right in time for the coldest uh, days uh, in, in a decade, I guess. I hope you're all staying warm. I'm very happy to have this recording with Tim Thompson, the CEO of Lake Region Electric Cooperative, which I have been trying to get to meet with for a long time and uh, it happened and we are able to talk renewable energies, uh, solar and wind generated uh, electric production in our area and I think this is a very good and important topic uh, to protect our environments. I'm really happy to hopefully partner with them as a future contributor of content to share with our audience. So um, be uh, stay tuned uh, to our interview with Tim Thompson. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, stay warm. Welcome back to this season. We have a lot of uh, interesting recordings coming up. We also are very excited for our events coming in March 22nd, 23rd, again at the Civic Center in downtown Fargo. Um, thank you very much for uh, Choice Bank as the title sponsor and uh, they allowed us to give free admission to all our guests this year. So it's a free event, save the date, Friday, Saturday, March 22nd, 23rd. So now stay tuned to hear the story of Lake Region Cooperative, Electric Cooperative with Tim Thompson. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. Hello to our interview part. Um, I'm here today with Tim Thompson. Hello. Hello. <laughs> thank you for coming. Uh, it took me a while to, to uh, catch you. Um, thank you very much. Um, um, Tim Thompson is uh, working as CEO with the Lake Region Electric Cooperative out of uh, Pelican Rapids. And um, today I was going to talk a little bit about uh, who you are in the beginning, uh, then about the history of um, delivering electricity to uh, rural communities in Lakes Country, here where we live, and then um, hopefully we can speak about um, all the things that you built and then a little bit into the future, uh, hopefully maybe renewable energies because you have some projects uh, going as we speak. So maybe you want to introduce yourself and uh, how did you arrive uh, in Lakes Country? Yeah, uh, thanks for the opportunity to participate in your in your uh, your podcast. Yeah, again, my name is Tim Thompson, the CEO of Lake Region Electric Cooperative, um, headquartered in, in Pelican Rapids. Um, been the CEO there now 11 years. Um, worked worked in the industry now for for over 20 years. I was down in Albert Lee at the Electric Cooperative there before I came up here to Lake Region Electric Cooperative. Absolutely love uh, working at Lake Region and uh, living in this, this area, living in the Lakes area. Um, uh, working at a cooperative is kind of a dream job for me, actually. Um, I grew up on my great-grandparents' farm, and okay. so I heard firsthand from my great-grandparents what it meant the day their electric cooperative brought electricity to their farm and how that changed their life and what it did for their quality of life, which is... Um, very motivating for me to continue that and make sure that what we're doing at Lake Region is improving the quality of life for the about 28,000 uh, consumer members of Lake Region area, uh, Lake Region Electric Cooperative in this in this area. 
Yeah, okay. Well, let's uh, step back a little bit. Um, so your great-grandparents were immigrants, and they homesteaded uh, where in Minnesota? Actually, it was in Iowa, oh, uh, a farm in Iowa. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, a little Swedish community, actually. Okay. And uh, they, far they farmed there. And in 1939 is okay. when the old REA brought electricity um, to the farm. Uh, my wife also grew up um, on a farm, and uh, an electric cooperative brought electricity to to her family farm um, back in, I believe, it was 1941. So a lot of a lot of history there, and um, again, just an incredible story how electric cooperatives formed back in the 1930s. Yeah, to bring the depression, the depre the height of the depression, and how people came together at the local grassroots level. In our case here at Lake Region. Uh, people got together in Fergus Falls yeah. and formed their own electric cooperative because there was not electricity in the rural areas. And uh, as history has shown, uh, it, it has been a good program, um, very successful uh, in the rural areas. And uh, people in the country can have electricity just like people in, in the towns. So um, just for us, I am very uneducated. So we have uh, Autotel power with this turbine. Was that only delivering in the city? So there was no electricity at all, or like, yeah. Back you, so you serve the rural compared to. Can you explain correct. that a little bit? So back back in the day, back in the the nineteen you know twenties and thirties, yeah. as electricity was get, getting built out in our country, electricity came to the large cities first, right, and then the smaller towns that where there was a lot of population. It's very expensive to build all the infrastructure necessary right. to bring electricity to an area. And so that's why it made economic sense to do the, the towns received power first. Right. And those were primarily either um, investor-owned utilities or municipal utilities, but the rural areas went unserved. Right. And so that's when, um, when it was evident that the power wasn't gonna come to the rural areas, that's when people at the local level across our nation came together, formed their own electric cooperatives. And there's about 900 electric cooperatives across our, our nation, and you know, I believe it's 42 states. Sure. And so that, that movement started in the 1930s and, and just continued to grow and blossom. So we were founded uh, with Lake Region Electric Cooperative when? 1930? 1937. Yeah, so over 80 years ago. So this was founded, and so interesting. So was it how many, 7, 17, 15, how many people came together? I believe the, the main, you know, kind of first meeting back in the day in the 1930s was, was about 500 people came 500? together. Yes. In, and, the uh, in, in, in county of Otterdale County then? That's, that's that's generally correct. We're a little larger than than Ottertel, uh, uh -huh. County, but that's the that's really the the center of our our service territory. So that's really interesting. So 500 people come together, and then did they bring? Everybody said, "Hey, I'll pitch in a hundred dollars." Or how did how did that how did yeah, that there, work? In, in the beginning, there was a a small fee uh -huh. to become a member of the cooperative. I believe it was five dollars or two dollars or sure. something like that. But even back then. I mean, again, during the height of the depression to right. come up with a few dollars um, in, a, in a totally new concept of an electric cooperative to bring electricity to the rural areas, you know, that probably wasn't easy. Can you imagine, you know, getting invited to a meeting today for something brand new for your area and, and how, that, how people would react to that? But there was certainly a need and the, the people in the country didn't have electricity or they're in the dark, um, you know, in the dark. lower quality of life. Yeah and uh, what that did to, to revolutionize our, our country. Well, but you know, like to bring this in the 21st century, it was literally a Kickstarter campaign 
in yeah. a way. It was just not happening on the internet, but the people m got together as they did uh, in a church, in a school or somewhere, and they said, we need to kickstart something. We want to have, we want to get out yeah. of the dark. So they were forming, uh, yeah, they invested. They actually started a company in a way. A co-op is a member-owned organization. It's yes, kind of like a company. They literally, as I like to say, pulled themselves up by the bootstraps, formed their own cooperative, and here, 80 years later, we have 5,700 mile, miles of power line, 28,000 consumers, 30 substations, um, and we're doing a lot of new things as well. You know, the, the spirit of the co-op that it, it took back in the day to, to start that, um, the, the grassroots aspects and all of that of the original cooperative, I, I believe it still exists today, and we still, the most important thing um, that was done back then with the grassroots and the member ownership, the member involvement still exists today. That's still how we operate. Mm -hmm. We have grassroots meetings today mm -hmm. in, in small communities, out in churches, schools, etc., where we invite the members in to talk about the cooperative, provide updates and information to the members, really trying to create that member engagement. Um, that part of our business really hasn't changed. We're very obviously local, member focused, and driven by, by the members who actually um, elect and vote on um, our board of directors. We mm -hmm. are, um, our territory is divided into nine different districts. Mm -hmm. Each district has a board member that is elected by the people that live in just that district. So mm -hmm. it's a very local election democratic mm -hmm. process that um, the members have. So the voice is represented. Yeah, the, the voice of the members mm -hmm. is definitely re representative. And then those nine board members serve on the the Lake Region Electric Cooperative Board of Directors and govern the cooperative. Sure. And of course, they, they hire a CEO and, mm -hmm. and we employees run the day-to-day the -day, -day business there. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. Uh, um, really interesting to learn how much you grew, uh, where you're at. I, I, I'm, I'm still curious, you mentioned the, the miles of power lines uh, um, and uh, that was probably a big challenge, 19, even like, I mean, we're talking pre-World War II, we're talking World War Two in the 40s, uh, um, workers, and then you need obviously copper lines. So I don't. I assume it is copper lines. So materials. Like my question would be, what was the first source of energy? Like was it a coal turbine? What do you know? Uh, what the first? How that? Yeah, was I generated? know our first the first customer um, of the cooperative. The first line that was built was in the Perm area. Uh -huh. um, I can't say for sure exactly what the original power supply was, but I believe it was more our lines were, were connected into the, the investor-owned utilities transmission lines and bought power through through their, through their system. Ah, so they purchased uh, uh, power somewhere to deliver yeah, it to it, the members? In, in the beginning, Probably. you know, the cooperative did not have okay. generation assets ah. or, or transmission assets either. So it started with connecting into... Um, existing infrastructure was there feeding off of that infrastructure into our distribution system. Now over the years, as the cooperative grew and got stronger, uh, we formed our own generation and transmission cooperative that is also a, a cooperative form of ownership. It's called Great River Energy, headquartered down in Maple Grove. As a producer. Yeah, they're the producer. They own the power plants and the transmission lines that bring the power down to our substations that we own, and then we distribute it locally um, to the to the, the local area. Okay, I didn't understand. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So, so our, our business model is not only a cooperative at the local level distributing electricity, 
but we also, Lake Region is part of owner of a much larger generation and transmission cooperative that produces the power and, and owns the transmission lines to get it down to our, our local area. Oh, yeah, so okay. it's a kind of a vertically integrated cooperative model. Interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah, I wasn't quite aware of that. I thought we built um, or we produced. So in the beginning, it was literally the kind of like um, the city got electricity. Let's say Fergus Falls had that turbine, but the water, uh, um, they got their energy. And then the people in the country said like, hey, we want to have it too. And then Autotail says, you know, we can't deliver. It's too expensive. It costs us 30,000 to bring the line. We'll never recoup that. So you kind of formed a co-op to, to build the infrastructure in the beginning. That's correct. And ah. it was all part of a, originally a, a federal program called the Rural Electric um, Administration, old REA, uh -huh. um, again formed back in the, in the Depression era. Uh, yeah. President Roosevelt was a, was a champion for rural electrification. Okay. And uh, it, it allowed local co-ops like Lake Region to borrow money from a federal program for the specific purpose of building electrical infrastructure out to serve areas right. that had never been served before. Right, okay, yeah, fascinating. So, so we started with, let's say, 500 members. Um, um, so we come post-World War II, uh, 50s, um, uh, baby boomers, and then we grow and grow and grow. And you said today we have 28,000 uh, member that, households. That's correct. And, and uh, meters. Yep. So that is a significant increase. So every year, uh, not that it every year, but le every decade it doubles almost the membership, right? 500 to 1,000 is a double, 2,000. Four thousand. Yeah, we uh, we add today. More. Today even we more. add about we build about you know three hundred to three hundred and fifty new s electrical services uh, per year. Okay. So we we do see some growth. It's slowed down here in in recent years compared to maybe the early two thousands. Um, well, maybe because we're already so connected. But you are even growing to the state. Yes, in terms of customers, we're growing now with all of the. Uh, efficiencies in things with appliances and focus on energy efficiency the actual load growth of how much electricity we sell um, how much our members consume doesn't grow much so sure. we're, we're adding some customers but as you can imagine with everything being so much more efficient LED today lights. LED lights for a good example uh, that that cuts the, the consumption down and so the actual sales don't grow that much you know that's uh, now i'm going to put you on the spot not not really but i was always thinking how is it that electric companies actually promote efficiencies because actually it hurts their business models yeah it actually cuts in their you know it, why is that? it does but as a member-owned cooperative one thing we're the main thing we're focused on is helping our member owners manage their energy dollars the best th that they can, they can. Oh. so if we can help a member owner um, you know, save on their electric bill, if we can help them be more efficient, if we can help them use energy more wisely, um, that also is value of being a member of the cooperative. Absolutely, but, right. but you're exactly right. You know, any business, you can't, you can't spend your money to, to help your consumers use less of your product. That's, yeah, that's a different long-term strategy. I, yeah, um, if, if you are an exception to the rule, it seems, because I am, as a member, I'm interested in getting the best advice uh, so I want lower cost as a member-owned yep. company so that actually benefits me even as an owner. Yep. So that's, you're the perfect uh, role uh, model to reduce. Really one of the centerpieces of our, of our strategic thinking and our strategic plan is 
energy services, as we call it. We have a, a very professional team of energy services professionals on staff, always working with members, uh, whether it's lighting solutions, heating solutions. Um, you know, we've kind of gone into some other areas in recent years, whether that's renewable energy, uh, as well as the natural gas, uh, providing natural gas in okay. certain areas. So we've recognized that, like you just said earlier, you know, as, as we're helping our members consume less through energy efficiency and things, we recognize that we've got to create some other revenue streams. And every time we do that, that's good for all of the ratepayers, all of the members. Yeah. If we can create a new revenue stream and, and not add much for cost into the cooperative, that helps us keep our rates yeah. stable and very, very reasonable for our members. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, can you um, explain again or clarify how large of a service area uh, you are? Yes, our our service territory, we're, we're headquartered in, in Pelican Rapids. We also have an outpost, as we call it, in Ottertail City. Just saw where, that, drove um, by it last So we week. can service our members out of two locations. Mm -hmm. Our footprint, our service territory, really covers about 3,200 um, square miles. Oh, wow. Yeah, with the 5,700 miles of power line and, and 30... 30 different substations spread across that that area. So majority of Ottawa County and then a little yeah, bit Yeah, and east. beyond that. So, you know, our, our service territory on the, on the west side goes to, you know, goes over to the, the Minnesota, North Dakota border. Oh, really? Uh, on the south side, it's, you know, between, you know, south of Fergus Falls, but not, not as far as Alexandria mm -hmm. um, is the line. Going to the east, it's, um, we go almost to Wadena. Oh, okay. Um, down to the Parker's Prairie yeah. um, area, and then on the north, we're we're south of Detroit Lakes. Um, is kind of the, the general okay. um, outline of our footprint. So can I choose, like, if I live in the territory, because I, for some reason, I'm not a member of yours, but I live on Lake Seven. So, so can I choose? Can I switch, or is it reserved? Like, yeah, it's it's reserved. Uh, There's a very specific. Um, in Minnesota, there's very specific service territorial lines and boundaries between between the utilities that were set up years oh, ago. Okay. And so it's it's very, you know, defined. If you're living in a certain area, um, you know, this certain electric utility is your provider, and that's who you who you will have. You know, that's really interesting. Um, in Europe, <laughs> in my opinion, that would be considered a monopoly because, like, uh, me as a consumer in Europe, I can choose between 17 different electric providers. And they all have to share one line now. So I can just say, this one is cheaper, I'll switch tomorrow. Did you know that? Like in yeah, Germany, you, can, you yeah. can simply switch. And, and some of the states in the U.S. Have, have gone into kind of this customer choice environment. So here, uh, the line is literally owned. So uh, so you own your 5,800 uh, yes, miles? Yes, those... Those power lines are owned by, yeah, they're owned by the cooperative, but they're owned by the members of oh, the yeah, cooperative. Okay, sure, they are the owners. And, 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 and they're reserved for you, the private property? Yeah, that's... Nobody that's can say, right. I want to run through it too? Right. That's what happens yep. in Europe, it seems. Yep. So I'm just trying to... Yeah, it's a, it's, I mean, you use the word monopoly, it, it generally is that. I mean, there's, there's not customer choice, yeah. um, but as a member-owned cooperative, you know, we're, we're, adding value to the members and keeping our rates I'm as low as possible. I was just trying to understand. Yeah. Um, nope. So just so we, we know as a consumer, um, also in, in Europe, we have all the lines in the earth. I always wanted to ask. Underground? Underground. Yeah. I, I always wanted yeah. to ask because we're actually living in Minnesota 
and we have ice build up, we have power lines that break every year again, we have outages because of the ice, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. So why is it not cheaper or right. long term more efficient to build them underground? I never yep. understood that. Yep. Now I have you here. In, the, you in, the, in the beginning, yeah. um, you know, pretty much everything was overhead over time. Um, underground is becoming more predominant um, in our in our construction. I think of the 5,800 miles or of power line, about 1,300 are now underground. Oh, so going forward, underground a is a much bigger bigger part. 20%. Um, the costs for underground um, have come down okay. um, over the years. Um, there's been you know back in the in the early days of the underground, there was some issues with with cable and that type of thing. It's improved a lot. The technology has sure. improved a lot. Uh, less problems with underground, so it is it is more expensive still. Yeah. But we we try to put in you know when it, where it makes sense we evaluate that yeah. and try to put in underground. I think I think it does make a lot of sense for some of the reasons you've already stated. Ice storms being a being a good example. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a kind of a growing part of our of our distribution okay. grid. So it has changed. Yeah. I think they're an eyesore too, by the way. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> if you I don't know how much you travel in Europe, we don't have those power lines i mean for some reason they're like this american aesthetic like if i go in downtown fargo and see those wood posts and i see all those electric lines they're already so antiquated to me they're already cool again <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i don't want to offend anyone but literally i think they're they are just very unique to the united states but i like the picture nobody here sees that i'm i for some reason i think nobody sees that anymore because it's so normal to you me as looking at it from a different angle they're very dominant and I, I think the power lines come into each house I always think they look dangerous for some reason so but I think they're an eyesore and they're a risk they're dangerous but I learn we are trying to uh, establish new routes underground okay so as we can afford as it makes sense yeah it's really a, a financial question yeah. can, can you afford to you know it, it's really hard to to rebuild something that hasn't you know, you haven't reaped the useful life out of it to going back in and replace that with underground before it's depreciated and that right. kind of thing is very difficult. And these are, you know, electrical infrastructure, they're, they're 30, 40 year assets. You of know, course. They last a long time and, yeah. and so it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a quick, fast transition. It's, yeah. it's very slow. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we have uh, 28,000 members uh, households or we have actually a very slim uh, lean uh, um, work body we have 72 employees right? yeah about 72 employees at Lake Region yeah, yes yeah. to me that sounds very lean uh, um, but successful as it looks now um, with the history we are an 80 year old uh, organization you have a lot of experience um, um, you have a lot of success obviously you are still uh, um, a valuable asset to to the people um, but you're growing and now I'm curious about the future um, we talk about um, efficiencies we talk about converting um, LED and I actually was surprised uh, what a huge impact converting the LED lights mm -hmm. in my household I was uh, so surprised how much less my bill was so I'm converting everything into LED uh, um, I was a little bit ignorant, I must admit, but now that is very good. But also with new technologies, uh, um, uh, wind, uh, solar, uh, like renewable. Can you t fill us in a little bit on your past efforts, let's say the past decade maybe, 
or whatever sure. renewable when did you start thinking forward let's call it uh, um, as you know, in Europe, we are very strong about renewable energy. I think Germany already has over 20% out of renewable energy. Yeah. And uh, um, we are actually the leader of renewable energy production. And, and I'm fairly proud of that. I like it. Uh, so I'm very glad to see that you are doing similar things. So can can you fill us in on the, on the yeah, vision? Absolutely. I'd be glad to. Yeah. So, you know, again, as a member-owned cooperative, as a member-driven cooperative, we do a, we get a lot of feedback from our members. We we survey them and that type of thing. Okay. And when we look at that information that comes back to us, um, really there's two main things that, that members talk to us about consistently. And, it, and it's really the core business, which is they want good reliability at fair rates and keeping our rates as low as possible. So that's kind of our, our core mission still, rates and reliability for our members that traditional core electric cooperative service. Mm-hmm. The, the other things members are, are very interested in today are the newer things. Mm-hmm. And while this kind of transition that our industry is going through can be challenging, it's also very exciting. Mm-hmm. And our board of directors and our employees, we've, we've embraced the future. We've embraced new technology and, and we, we try to lead on some of those things. Mm-hmm. So over the last decade or so, while well, we've made sure that our reliability and our and our rates and cost structure is is appropriate uh, for our mm-hmm. size of a cooperative. We've kind of done that and then moved on to these newer things. We've done done a lot in the, in this new space. Um, what what exactly? Like yeah, solar. Let, let's go through those. Ah, okay. So yeah, well, we can start with solar. So mm-hmm. you have a little at, solar park down. We do. Paddock at, and yes, Rapids. we do. Is that a we demo a, or is that actually a source? It, it's actually a community solar program. So you know, back in 2012, 2013, as we started analyzing the cost of solar coming down, we really wanted to analyze that. Instead, yeah, the cost for, for, for solar, building it. Yeah, for building it, coming ah, yeah. down. Mm-hmm. And we watched that and we watched that and it got to the point where we thought we could do our first project. And so what we did was we were, we were one of the first co-ops um, to do this. We actually built, our employees at Lake Region were cross-trained to build our first community solar program. Uh-huh. And what that is, and what's so neat about it is, the co-op built it and and maintains it and all of that for our members and the, as a community solar project members can buy buy a share or, or think of it as buying a, the output of one of those solar panels at the co-op uh-huh. and then each month on your electric bill for those your pro rata share those kilowatt hours that come from that solar farm you get a credit on your electric bill so what's nice about it and what members uh-huh. really like about it is you don't have to worry about it, the solar. You don't have to put it on your roof or use up your space in your yard. We maintain it, take care of it. Ah. It's a 20-year program. So for 20 years, the members who signed up for that program and who bought a, a share or bought a panel will receive those credits. bill credits on their electric bill. We've done two small community solar projects there. And then what was really neat too, since we had already built a couple of solar arrays there locally in, in Pelican Rapids, our GNT, Great River Energy, they wanted to get a solar, small solar farm built at each one of the 28 distribution co-ops, uh-huh. like us, we, Lake Region's one of those 28, across the state. And so we actually built the third unit that's there for Great River Energy and, and got paid to do that. Oh, because our employees, Yeah, because our employees uh, already knew how to do it, uh-huh. and uh, we, we did it very efficiently because it's right there at our at our headquarters, we already had the land, we yeah. had most of the equipment that it took, and we just cross-trained people and embraced it, and it's been very successful. Also in solar, we've uh, moved on. Uh, we al- also have a program called Go West Solar. So as an individual, um, 
homeowner or business, if you're inter- interested in a ground mount solar system, a small system at your home, your farm, your business, uh, we actually install those uh, for our members. So uh, uh, if anybody's out there thinking about solar, what we want to do... I can it, build my own little plant? Yeah, at, at your house or your business. And we do, we'd, we'd build it for you. Uh-huh. And what what's so, in, so important is for us is we really try to... Um, we want to be the, the local go-to energy services provider, if that makes sense, whether it's solar, wind, LED lighting, new technology. Again, as a member-owned cooperative, we want to have a lot of that expertise local for our members that they can draw upon and, and call in, come in and talk to us about what they're thinking, about what their needs are, and we can help develop solutions um, for them. Um, we, we'd much prefer that rather than some out-of-state company coming in and, and doing Absolutely. doing projects. Yeah. So um, very, very locally focused. So solar is profitable nowadays, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't invest, yeah? So it, you can it, make money it, with the solar it, energy. Yeah, it, it's a it's a, it's a very small por- portion of our supply. It's it's no, very but small. In but general, it, yeah, it's, it's becoming. So if I invest 1,000, I get 1,010. It, for us, it's more cost-effective than profitable, probably, is, is uh, a way to okay. think of it. So on our, on our latest... Um, solar project um, and this is under construction right now um, perhaps you've, you've heard about it it's this wind one one single uh, wind turbine mm-hmm. a GE 2 megawatt turbine and um, 500 kilowatts of solar that's now under construction just to the south and west of, of our headquarters there mm-hmm. and uh, it's scheduled to come online soon so that's a much bigger scaled um, renewable energy project and what's so cool about it is not only is it local energy production but it's it's renewable and it's going to help us save money it's a cheaper uh, more cost-effective um, supply right now than than what, what we're buying from other places so it's it's got a lot of value it it's able to connect directly into the local electrical distribution grid that oh by the way our members already own Mm-hmm. And so there's no transmission involved, no overhead involved. Mm-hmm. It's direct tie it in. plugging, if you right. will, right into the system we already <laughs> own at a lower cost. Interesting. And so we're, we're pretty excited about that yeah. and looking forward to that coming online here, you know, in the next month or so. So uh, that, that is really interesting because it, I moved here roughly 10 years ago and always fascinated me because um, we have been building wind parks uh, in the North Sea or in the Baltic uh, mm-hmm. for decades now. and. And I find that we don't have enough wind parks, especially like in a rural area like North Dakota. I mean, we should have with those winds, uh, there should be fields. I mean, nobody's out there anyway. So I never understood. I always thought like, well, is it too expensive to build this? But you just claimed that a two kilowatt turbine, megawatt, you said. I'm sorry about that. is that megawatt an hour or like it pr- it's, it's capacity, is, capacity is two megawatts and on this this project one thing i want to point out is we don't actually own the the wind tower and the yeah, solar a wind developer from minnesota called jewel energy is owns it financed it is constructing it and it's under construction right now all we're doing is buying the output the the electricity that's going to come out of that that unit so every kilowatt hour that comes out of that we're we're purchasing that under a purchase power contract. But it must be contract. profitable for that person. So like, yeah, it is. It, it yeah, must they'll, be. So they'll get a rate of return. Right. And that's so that's their piece of it. We're we're just buying the output. So all the construction risk and all of that is is on the developer, not not Lake Region. What I don't know, yeah, no, but like, 
I can think as a businessman. In fact, I am a businessman. Yeah. So I, so I hear very interestingly. First of all, there's a lot of land here. I mean, there's a lot of farmers here. We yeah. just own land just because we have hunting land. Like, why, if I have 85 acres of hunting land, which I use. 80 <laughs> so I have five acres available where yeah I can put a food plot there but those solar panels probably don't move yeah we know that so I think a deer wouldn't be scared of a solar panel most likely not so why why don't we install why don't I become a grid provider or, or, or distributor can I just build five acres of solar panel and sell it tell you the would it make sense you know, the, you the, the key for that that size of a project, would you, you'd have to much? find somebody to, to buy that output. Yeah. And so you. so if it, if it made sense, you know, we'd, we'd talk to you about that and go through a process to, yeah. s- to evaluate, evaluate that. But what, what's really, you know, the trend right now in our, in our state, in our nation, um, you know, the renewables are becoming, you know, much more um, prevalent, obviously. Yeah. For us, for example... Uh, you mentioned North Dakota. I mean, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, a lot of good wind resources there. Yeah. There are a lot of very large, you know, wind farms out there now, and they Already? continue to be built and, and will continue to, to grow. Okay. Right now, um, 25% of our electricity comes from a renewable source. source. Back in 2007, there was a pretty significant legislation passed into law here in our in Minnesota that required us to, to have 25% of our electricity come from a renewable source in 2007 by, by in 2007 by the year 2025 we've we've actually exceeded that already and our power supplier Great River Energy um, they've set a corporate goal to be 50% renewable by by 2030 so wow um, you know this you know, there's there's a big change going on in the future. There's going to be more wind, more solar, more renewables, um, certainly than in the past. I am so surprised. Uh, in fact, um, I don't know if we're too ignorant um, to know um, that 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 is really relevant news to me. Twenty five percent is uh, way more than I thought. Uh, I didn't even know it's my fault that I wasn't educated on that legislation. Uh, um, but I'm very happy to hear, yeah. and I'm actually very happy to hear that there's a, yeah. a, a energy producer that they have their own goal to be 50 percent. I mean, that's just and good I, news. I think one really important part of, of our energy future is um, we we like to call it an all of the above strategy. You know, it can't our electricity can't all come from one source or two sources. We need to have a very diverse portfolio, mm-hmm. and right now that. That consists of, of, of coal-fired power plants, natural gas power plants, certainly wind and, and solar. But you really need those base, more baseload type plants as well and a nice mm-hmm. diversified portfolio mm-hmm. um, that all of the above strategy, as we, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, of course, to, to guarantee the reliability mm-hmm. also. Um, no, I understand yeah. that. So um, you're in the process of growing your renewable uh, um, production. You just mentioned uh, uh, one third solar panel field, right, by the wind tower. So it's one, two, and it's a third coming At, at our now. headquarters, there's, there's three small oh, there's solar three. arrays. And then at the, the new project, this wind and solar yeah. hybrid project, as we call it, yeah. it, it's one single turbine and then a, um, 
a solar field that works together. Right. Oh, okay. um, so it's more efficient, we think, doing it as a hybrid. Um, there's some savings on the on the infrastructure costs. Mm-hmm. Um, one in con- interconnection back into our our local grid instead of two, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So there's some efficiencies there mm-hmm. um, with with this hybrid unit. It's a fairly unique project. Um, it's a GE um, turbine and, and technology, mm-hmm. and uh, so they're they're uh, starting to bring these hybrids you know out into the marketplace, and we're one of the one of the first ones to to do something like this. Interesting, and then. Uh, visioning I mean we look 80 years back so we probably we have a 10-year plan at least 20-year plan is there more to expect in the next 10 in the next decade do you can you is there visioning good intentions do we yeah have goals to yeah specific to renewables are you uh-huh. yeah yeah definitely some uh, start at the at the at the big at the top if you will with Great River Energy they have already set right. this goal sure. to get to, to 50% renewables by the year 2030 which you know, in the utility world, that's in planning. That's that seems like a way off, but it's really not. I mean, these are long-term assets, long-term decisions. So we, yeah, we have very long-term and plans. And you too, locally, like, do you plan on building another turbine, maybe, maybe in another five years? That's a very good possibility. We don't have a specific project in 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 mind for you know next year, or the year after. But once we get this this hybrid project mm. done and, and up and running and evaluate that. Yeah, we'll continue to look for opportunities mm-hmm. for more for more renewables and other other energy services also for our for our members. Mm-hmm. We're we're not only doing, you know, renewables like like we've been discussing, but we've also done a lot of other things including trying to bring, you know, a, a natural gas service to areas within our service territory who have never had basic natural gas you know service in their in their area or in their community so so building pipeline yeah we're putting uh, infrastructure in uh, in the ground mm-hmm. um, yeah. so uh, natural gas lines to, to bring it to small towns who have never had a natural gas supply before okay. towns like Deer Creek towns like Dent yeah. uh, Parker's Prairie Miltona what that um, is that conversion then really uh, efficient like to convert my is it for uh, con- converting heating, my heating yeah mostly if is it better if somebody's you know perhaps if, for example um, if they're maybe heating their house with, with propane for example it, it could be mm. cheaper to um, do it with natural gas and oh, not sure, have to I have a tank and all that I stuff propane, yeah. yeah so, so that would be cheaper Generally, natural gas is okay. generally yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I forgot the, yeah. the, the propane. I thought they had electric heat, for example. Some people do. Yep. That's that's a good option too, of course. And so is it converting to to gas also more efficient? Do you think that uh, electric heaters are? It's less it's much efficient? more. If you have an electric heating system, it's generally more more difficult to convert to to, uh, right, to a, a natural it. gas because what you have to replace. And so I think what we're seeing is mostly people. Switching from propane to sure. um, natural natural gas. Sure. As natural gas prices have been so low in recent years, you're seeing more and more uh, natural gas coming out into rural areas and these small towns that never had it before. Yeah. So it's been kind of a neat process to go. You know, we talked earlier about the starting of the electric cooperative. Well, yeah. in a way, you know, bringing natural gas to areas that have never had it uh, was, was someone like that. You know, we're going in and talking to community leaders, city council members, that type of thing about, you know, mm-hmm. bringing natural gas to their community, talking to um, some of the some of the members of the co-op who will be served uh, with natural gas. And, 
you know, when we first started meeting with communities and some of our members about should we do this, mm -hmm. and what did you think of, what would you think if your electric cooperative started bringing natural gas to certain areas in our territory that it makes economic sense to do so, mm -hmm. uh, the response was, was very positive, uh, that the members uh, wanted us to do that and um, thought we had the wherewithal to do it. And so we, we've done some small, some of these small towns, small projects, and I learned a lot about the natural gas business. And so far it's been a, a success. I think the people who have our service are very, very pleased with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll continue to, to grow it with small projects, you know, each year as we go forward. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, I, think, I think you mentioned earlier, um, um, like uh, advising, consulting uh, services that your um, group does also helping people um, find better efficient solutions is that true like so do you have a source where where only members or can uh, can anyone contact you and say hey could you help me like with an cost evaluation or I'm not sure like what can yeah, you describe that sure we have a um, what we call our, our energy services yeah. professionals and so yeah, yeah it is is just for our members of course oh, okay but so if, if they're looking at needing to make an upgrade to their heating system or their lighting system for example you know they can call well, new in construction and yeah new construction as uh -huh, well uh -huh. but but they can call in and and talk to our folks and uh, maybe come in as well uh -huh. look at different you know electric heating options and that type of thing okay. um, LED lighting we've we've got a small little kind of online LED store if you will okay and you know the LED was you know it just we got in that mostly to to help our members understand mm -hmm. that conversion and, and and potential savings and that type of thing again just a local you know source of information Mm -hmm. um, in addition to being able to go online or go into a you know Menards and look at different LED lights and things, mm -hmm. just really trying to again have that be that local go-to energy services provider and and trusted energy you know advisor, True. if you will, yeah. for for our members as technology continues to to change and you know if we can stay on top of the changes and technology for our members, we really think that's a pretty good strategy um, going forward, and we've been embracing that um, as as new things come to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, very interesting. I, I think we uh, uh, learned a lot um, about uh, a small uh, but big player <laughs> in, in, in our lives. Uh, um, I really never thought about uh, actually being in the dark 80 years ago. And um, yes, we live rural. Uh, we build our own wells because we don't have a water line. But uh, yeah, electricity arrived um, only 80 years ago. And um, now we have uh, all our TVs running and our our so-called internet mm -hmm. connectivity, and that's all due to to you when we sit live rural here. So, yeah, uh, I appreciate very much this dialogue. Uh, we learned a lot. Um, anything else uh, you wanted to to share? Did I forget you know, anything? You know, I I just you know if you don't mind, just you know we've got you know about seventy two employees, and yeah. you know, you think about what they do, yeah. um, whether it's calling in to talk to us about you know energy options or you know the linemen out there uh, working in those storms I mean we live in an area that gets you know we, we get a variety of weathers uh, patterns and from from ice storms to tornadoes to of course thunderstorms and things mm -hmm. and uh, it's just amazing what what they do when when there is a power outage and we we've done a lot of things to reduce our outages we've mm -hmm. cut them they're down about 50 percent over the last decade because okay. we keep investing and reinvesting and modernizing our grid and 
keeping those trees cleared away from the power yeah. lines. But boy, those those employees when they're out there working in those dangerous conditions with electricity and in middle of storms at night and that type of thing, they just do an awesome job and right. really uh, really proud of them. And I think the members really appreciate what they do too. That's what all of our our feedback says and just sure. want to shout out to our employees for the great job they do yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, they deserve that and, yeah and the other thing with our employees is you know they've they've also been very open and, and embraced these new things that we've done because we have done as a cooperative move beyond the traditional things yeah and it's not easy in an organization to bring on all those new things and 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 get the people to to get training and that type of thing to learn how to do these new things, but they've really embraced that and it's made a really big difference for our cooperative in the right. value that we can bring to the to our members in the local communities. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I hope maybe to even get you uh, involved in our in our expo in March. Uh, I'll bug you in a little bit later <laughs> with maybe a little display or maybe you come and speak about solar and renewable energy again to our audience. Uh, and uh, uh, thank you very much for all the content and input you did. Uh, have a wonderful weekend ahead. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com and uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh